Welcome to the Terrorist Therapist Show on Renegade Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Carroll. Though you may not realize that the ongoing threat of terrorism is affecting your life and that of your loved ones. Each week, Dr. Carroll analyzes the hottest topics in terror and helps you and your family reach your dreams despite living in a time of terror. While we were sleeping on this 18th anniversary of 9-11, Al-Qaeda was revving up. Welcome to the Terrorist Therapist Show. I'm Dr. Carol, a psychiatrist and your terrorist therapist. Well, I'm sure you can tell me what you were doing when 9-11 happened, but can you tell me what you were doing on this anniversary? And better yet, can you tell me what you saw in the media about the anniversary of 9-11? Probably not. You know why? Because this year, the anniversary of 9-11 was sanitized even more than ever. Each year, the coverage of 9-11 goes down, down, down. It is, it is so disturbing. We need, I mean, yes, of course, there is the ceremony, fortunately, at Ground Zero, and um, of course, ceremonies in, at the Pentagon and at, um, uh, in, in Pennsylvania. But um, these, the, you know, unlike prior years where it was uh, covered on major networks, the whole thing, remember that? Remember, remember back in the day when networks actually saw fit to cover the whole reading of the names? Well, now there were snippets. All you got were snippets intercutting into news shows um, that had much more important things to talk about, like vaping or like something political. Right, that's more important than remembering 9-11, not, not to mention honoring the victims of 9-11. And not only the victims who died on that day, but the victims who are continuing to die of cancer, um, the people who worked at Ground Zero, the first responders, even the people who live and work and go to school in the neighborhood are continuing to die because of what's called 9-11 cancers. So ignoring all this, <laughs> Um, there was one person who didn't forget that it was 9-11 anniversary, and that was the leader of Al-Qaeda. Yes, um, Al-Zawari, Ayman Al-Zawari, he took, uh, paid attention to this day, and he took advantage of it to call on Muslims all over the world to attack us. For those of you who might think, and probably if you're listening to this show, this wouldn't be you, but you know that many people, the majority actually, I dare say, um, of people in America are in denial and denial that um, we are still at risk from, Al, um, from Al Qaeda or from ISIS. You know, those are people who are over there and who every once in a while make a little attack. It's not gonna happen again. Right? Um, let me tell you what Ayman al-Zawari did on the anniversary of 
um, he called on Muslims worldwide in a video to uh, attack the US, Europe, Israel, and Russia, and particularly to attack their military targets. Uh, this was really a pretty interesting speech. He, first of all, he is an Egyptian surgeon, or he was before he became the head of Al-Qaeda after Osama bin Laden was killed in 2011 in Pakistan. Um, Al-Zawari is believed to be somewhere in the Afghanistan-Pakistan border region. And um, he has said, because apparently he's gotten feedback uh, from people who, you know, have said maybe they don't want to attack civilians like um, happened in 9-11, although obviously I'm sure this is a small percentage of people who are potential recruits to Al-Qaeda. But Al-Zawari said, if you want jihad to be focused solely on military targets, the American military has presence all over the world, from east to the west. This was in a 33-minute, 28-second video that was produced by their PR group, their media foundation. Uh, he continues, your countries are littered, littered with American bases with all the infidels therein and the corruption they spread. Uh, he also, in his speech, criticized what he called backtrackers, and he was referring to former Al-Qaeda fighters who changed their views in prison, who got de-radicalized, the few who, where the de-radicalization program succeeded in prison. He said, uh, just as they conspire and join forces against us everywhere, we must chase them down everywhere at a time and place of our choosing. Be inventive and creative in your methods. <laughs> now, um, there is, of course, as uh, I trust you know, there is a competition. It's still a very lively competition between ISIS and Al-Qaeda. Some people think that Al-Qaeda is no longer a threat and we just have to worry about ISIS. And that's not true because um, because, and for, and they're 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 uh, they're struggling with each other to um, gather recruits. There are some recruits, believe it or not, who are who ISIS wants to recruit, and who are turning back to Al Qaeda. So just because in in um, you know just because we have uh, somewhat more or less destroyed the caliphate that uh, was declared in 2014. It doesn't mean that uh, ISIS is done, and it also doesn't mean that Al-Qaeda is done. Um, there are, you know, there were some interviews done um, on 9-11 in Afghanistan, talking to the troops, and a lot of the troops talked about how 9-11 is what inspired them to enlist in the U.S. military. I mean, people don't realize that, that if it weren't for 9-11, um, we wouldn't have a lot of the people who we have in our military. That really was a day when people said to themselves, you know, what can I do for my country? And they enlisted. And what did I do? I said, I'll become the terrorist therapist. <laughs> Not quite as brave as enlisting, but hey, I am hoping I am helping people. Um, there was one person who they talked to who said she was only eight 
when the attacks took place, and but still it made her join the military. Um, let me tell you about some other people who weren't sleeping. <laughs> um, well, actually, before I get to that, one of the th I, I'm going to be telling you about this because in case you haven't heard this. Um, maybe I'll tell you, but I'll start with this now, because in case you haven't heard this, uh, which you may not have, because as I was saying, it was just little snippets that you actually would have seen of the ceremony at Ground Zero, where all the names are read. Now, fortunately, the museum, the 9-11 Museum, uh, Memorial and Museum, they had the whole ceremony on their website. They streamed it. You know, I mean, it's pretty sad when we're only counting on the museum. It's a great museum. I'm not saying anything again. I mean, thank goodness for the museum or else, I mean, I, I would imagine that people at the museums, the 9-11 um, Memorial Museum, and there's also the 9-11 Tribute Museum. I've been to both. If you haven't, you really need to go. Um, I think that they must be realizing also, sadly, uh, how important they are and how, how much more important they are, in a sense, every year as the media is not covering 9-11, the anniversary, as much. And as there aren't as many events going on um, all over the U.S., um, in New York, in Los Angeles, there was like, it was very pitiful. Um, fortunately for the Pentagon, we had, you know, Trump gave a speech, um, but, and, and I'm sure that they had a ceremony in, in Pennsylvania as well, but, but we, the museums have become ever more important, the less attention is being paid by the media on these anniversaries. Well, when we come back, I'll tell you about something that happened as the names were being read that was really incredible, really fantastic, incredible, and um, really sad for whatever, however this did not get played coast to coast on every station. But hey, you're going to hear about it now. Welcome back to the Terrorist Therapist Show, where we're talking about what happened on 9-11 this year, this anniversary, 18th year, that you may have missed because um, of, the, of the increasing uh, sanitization and increasing lack of coverage by the media of the event. Um, it is all but being forgotten each day. Now, before I tell you about this brave, what one man did at the ceremony, which was incredibly, incredibly brave, let me just um, tell you a little bit about why it's important that we not forget. I mean, yes, of course, it's not, uh, it's important that we not forget the, the victims, the people who died, their families, the people who are still di dying, as I mentioned, from 9-11 uh, cancer and all of that. But besides that, it is important that we not forget because um, we have people like the head of Al-Qaeda summoning his troops, recruiting more Muslims and whoever else, and you don't have to be a Muslim to be recruited. They will, um, if you get persuaded by their propaganda, you can join them, I am sure. They're not particular. Um, so um, there was a man 
who, you know how, remember, <laughs> this is going to be a distant memory if the media has anything to do with it, but remember how people get up to the podium at Ground Zero and read the names of the people who died. There are, you know, it's two people at a time, they stand at the podium, they each read a certain number of names, and, um, and then they say, they end it with, and my mother so-and-so, or as, and my father so-and-so, and my uncle, you know, so-and-so who was a firefighter or who was in the office at the World Trade Center after they have, at the, at the, as the last name that they each read. And it's very moving. It is still incredibly moving. The people are still in tears. You can, you can see that despite it having been 18 years, it is still as fresh as it was. Um, so there was a man who uh, went up to the podium to read his names. His name, his name is Nicholas Harros Jr. And he came up wearing a t-shirt that said, some people did something, which I trust that you will recognize as what uh, Ilhan Omar said when she was at a meeting of care um, and the Council of American Islamic Relations. Uh, some people did something referring to 9-11. And that of course got a backlash um, the New York news, one of the New York newspapers had it on their front page. They had a picture of the Twin Towers being hit by the planes, and um, they said something like, uh, "This is this is what this is what happened on that day. This is the something that happened." But um, anyhow, so this you know, it's a very solemn ceremony. I'm sure you know, it's a very solemn ceremony, and um, people generally don't say anything except for reading the names they have been given to read. But Nicholas Harris Jr. said um, he wanted them, Ilhan Omar and, her, and the squad, to know exactly who those some people are who perpetrated the something that took the life of his mother and 3,000 other people. He's from New Jersey. He lost his mother, Francis, in the terror attacks. Um, and he went on and on about uh, this, you know, to let her know what some people did something actually means. And he said, today I am here to respond to you exactly who did what to whom. Uh, Madam, objectively speaking, we know who and what was done. There is no uncertainty about that. Why your confusion? On that day, 19 Islamic terrorists members of Al-Qaeda killed over 3,000 people and caused billions of dollars of economic damage. Is that clear? Um, but as to whom I was attacked, your relatives and friends were attacked, our constitutional freedoms were attacked, and our nation's founding on Judeo-Christian principles was attacked. That's what some people did. Got that now? We are here today, Congresswoman, to tell you and the squad just who did what to whom. Show respect in honoring them, please. Oh, I'm getting chills just uh, reading that to you. His mother was 76 years old. Her name was Frances. She walked into work one pleasant Tuesday morning and never returned home. Um, she died in the South World Trade Center Tower. That took, can you, 
that took so much guts. You know, in, in 18 years, nobody has done anything like that. Now, of course, Ilhan Omar just said that this year, but still, um, you know, and of course the people around him were uh, agreed with him and cheered him and, you know, um, I don't know. <laughs> um, they were very, they, they were shocked but very pleased that he said that he called that he called it like it was, you know, um, each year and this sanitizing of the media. I mean, imagine how you would feel if you lost someone and each year the media uh, covered less and less of it each year, you know, the people, there are people um, who come down to ground zero on the anniversary each year, each year. And, um, Imagine if, you know, what is it saying to these people that now the, the news media just does little spurts and little coverage and uh, there aren't as many events and um, I mean, it's, you know, telling you that your, that your relative, your loved one uh, died in vain. And, and, and it's not just that. I mean, I keep trying to, it's not just that. It's the fact that if we aren't keeping it in, in aware, staying aware of all of this, um, and the fact that the threat of terrorism has not gone away, what that means is um, we will spend less money on military, we will do less to have all kinds of intelligence to protect our country. Um, what about the people who join the military to protect our country because of 9-11 and now it's not really being um, being honored um, the way it used to each year getting less and less. I mean, I, I said this uh, a few years ago, I was already getting um, irritated and, and concerned about how, how sanitized it was getting. I've been talking about how if you didn't know what really happened on 9-11, that you would think two pilots were just drunk and lost their way, really four pilots, um, you know, obviously Washington and Pennsylvania, but um, that they just kind of got lost. And yes, you know, we all know that at the beginning uh, when 9-11 first started and it was one plane that went into the tower, people did think it was a plane accident, um, that it was a pilot who, for whatever reason, accidentally flew into the Twin Tower. And then when the second one came, of course, we realized it wasn't an accident. Um, but what about the kids, you know, kids who are between zero and 18, who weren't around for 9-11, or even kids who were young uh, at 9-11? Well, if you were, if you were, I mean, the point is really that even if you were um, just born at 9-11, or even today, um, par your parents, were around on 9-11. And their, their parenting, we were all affected. That is the point that I keep trying to get across because nobody wants to think that they were affected by anything, that they were traumatized. I mean, we all know we were traumatized, but we don't want to believe that the effects of this trauma are lingering. And yet they are. There is the obesity crisis from people stuffing themselves with comfort food. There is insomnia. What do you think is keeping us awake at night? Maybe unconsciously, maybe you think you're thinking about financial problems and sure, you know, or relationship problems. There are lots of other things that you could be worrying about at three o'clock in the morning when you're not sleeping. 
but unconsciously, this is in our unconscious mind and it is contributing to keeping us awake. Uh, there has been, since 2001, if you look at the statistics, the charts, the, all these things that I'm talking about have increased. Um, the obesity, you know, insomnia, you probably know. Um, you may even know some of these others, but you didn't necessarily link it or realize that its increase began in 2001. Um, cutting for teenagers um, or even adults. Um, substance abuse, alcohol and drug abuse. Um, suicide. We have an increase in suicide that began in 2001. All kinds of, of um, things that are pessimism, depression, anxiety, PTSD. There are all of these things that have increased in our society since 2001. So if we keep pushing this under the rug and pretending that 9-11 was two um, lost pilots, uh, then we won't be able to address or we won't realize that we have to address the impact that this is still having on us. And if we are parents, the impact that this is having on our children from how this has changed us and we are their parents. When we come back, I'll talk more about this and what um, else happened another way that um, other people who were sleeping during the 9-11 anniversary while the leader of Al-Qaeda was not. Welcome back to the Terrorist Therapist Show where we're talking today about while we were sleeping on the 9-11 anniversary, Al-Qaeda was revving up. As I told you at the beginning, he was using this day to um, call to action, call to arms, uh, people who want to follow Al-Qaeda to finish off the job of destroying the West. You know, uh, one of the things Al-Qaeda was always good at, and ISIS too, actually, they both, one of the things that terrorists are good at is um, <laughs> they must have gotten some training in Hollywood or from a PR agent, well, they do have a PR agency, um, about how to get the most bang for your buck, how to um, make your attacks or your speeches uh, co to coincide with some icon, some symbolic event happening, date, and so on. Uh, place, you know, like Times Square. Um, and of course, well, the original 9-11, I mean, that is the, uh, they picked the best targets. Um, the Twin Towers, not only because it was some people say it was because that's the financial center of America and so on. And yes, that's true of, well, of New York anyway. And yes, that's true. And probably of America, I guess. Um, I am not a financial expert. <laughs> I can't tell you that. But certainly the financial uh, hub of New York, America, the world, one of those. Um, but it was really, as a psychiatrist, my view of that is that the reason why they picked that was because it was the tallest building, buildings. And, um, and consciously or unconsciously in these terrorists' mind, Osama's mind, I don't know if he took Psychology 101, but um, it was perhaps unconsciously his desire to um, take away America's power. These, these tall buildings are phallic symbols, and it is a way of, of cutting off or emasculating uh, America's power. And then, of course, 
the Pentagon, um, you know, the, you know, where, where our defense is. I mean, that's an obvious target. And then the plane that went down in Pennsylvania uh, was thought to be headed towards the White House. So those were pretty obvious targets too. Icons, you know, they didn't just pick, uh, they didn't pick Hollywood, although that is high on their list at this time. Uh, they didn't, you know, they didn't just pick any big city. There were reasons, there were psychological reasons, both for why they picked it, you know, their psychology, and for what they wanted to do to us, how they wanted to impact us more psychologically, as well as um, what actual practical effects it would have. So um, what I said I was gonna tell you about other people who were sleeping when the anniversary of 9-11 was taking place uh, and not really paying enough attention to it. And I am sorry to say that um, one place where it was not, where people were essentially sleeping was at the um, hearing, the Senate hearing of the Homeland Security Committee. The last place you would want anybody to be sleeping. Well, at this Senate hearing, there was absolutely no mention of the words radical Islam. Yes, yes, folks. <laughs> the closest that it came, that anyone came to mentioning something like that was um, by former Secretary of Homeland Security, Michael Chertoff, who referred to jihadi terrorists uh, three different times. Jihadi terrorists. I mean, that's fine. Uh, that's true. That's what they are. But um, I don't know if he was calling them that specifically to not say radical Islam because we have become so politically correct. We can't even say we can't. I mean, that's the problem. We can't even say um, who ran into who perpetrated the 9-11 uh, attack. You know, I was saying just like uh, we would think it would be these drunk pilots. Because, you know, you're not supposed to say radical Islam, even though that's what it is. And if you don't name something, it's, I always, you know, I've done, um, you can look at one of my previous shows, I talked about Voldemort, I talked about Harry Potter, like Voldemort is he who must not be named. Well, if you don't name your enemy, you are going to have a lot of trouble trying to win a war against them, whether it's Al-Qaeda or ISIS. Um, it is still radical Islamists, people who have misinterpreted the Quran to uh, use as propaganda. Uh, anyhow, wait till you hear what the, uh, some of the people said was the most important uh, issue that the Homeland Security Committee should be paying attention to. And, and um, this committee meeting was held on the Monday before the anniversary of 9-11, and it was held at the National 9-11 Memorial and Museum in New York City that I was just talking about a little while ago. They held the Sec Homeland Security Committee hearing at the museum, and yet nobody mentions radical Islam, and one person mentions um, jihadi terrorists. Instead, the, um, this committee of Homeland Security was told that the biggest issue that they should be paying attention to is climate change. Senator Gary Peters, a Democrat from Michigan, of course, 
said, climate change poses an existential threat to America and Earth. He linked climate change to 9-11 uh, somehow. <laughs> and he called on the Department of Homeland Security to make climate change their number one priority. Um, and he said that the Department of Homeland Security is our first line of defense against these and other challenges. Now, <laughs> um, I'm not really sure how the Department of Homeland Security is the, even if, you want, even if one thought that this was the number one threat to America, which it isn't, whether you believe in, I'm not going to get into that. I'm discussing whether climate, how, how much of a threat climate change is. But in our near future, the bigger threat to America and the Western world is terrorism, not climate change. Um, some other people brought up the U.S. border with Mexico, gun safety. I mean, really, these are issues, and you may feel one way or the other about them, but for the Committee on Homeland Security, um, it just it just is not uh, does not seem like the right place to me. Especially like if they needed a reminder, um, you know, nine eleven. The anniversary was two year two, two two days after that, and they were sitting in the memorial and museum. I I, I wonder if that, if anybody from this who was at this committee meeting went around the museum and looked at the um, looked at the uh, exhibits in the museum, which if you do, you cannot help but be uh, chilled to the bone. It is so moving. It is so, uh, you can't forget, well, maybe obviously they could, um, but you shouldn't be able, normal, normal people are not people who are not driven by partisan politics or by political correctness, normal people walking around this museum are very much in touch with 9-11, what that day meant, and how it is still impacting us. Well, um, it'll be interesting to see what Homeland Security does with that information, you know, their call to, to uh, to address climate change, I would think that there would be a different kind of committee that would be addressing um, like scientific issues like climate change, but um, perhaps I'm wrong. I'm not certainly not wrong in saying, however, that the number one issue that we all should have our Department of Homeland Security focusing on is terrorism, especially if you remember what I was talking about at the beginning, where I described what the current leader of, of uh, Al-Qaeda is calling on people to do, calling on people to follow him, to join Al-Qaeda. You know, there are various reports about what is happening, who is stronger, uh, Al-Qaeda or ISIS these days. And people, a lot of people think or assume that Al-Qaeda isn't strong anymore because we haven't heard from them. But Al-Qaeda, uh, and I've talked about this in a previous podcast, Al-Qaeda has, hasn't been just twiddling their toes. <laughs> That's an interesting visual <laughs> picture, an Al-Qaeda member <laughs> twiddling his toes. 
Um, they haven't been doing that. They have been continuing to recruit. They have been continuing to build up in various places quietly under the radar so that they can come back in strength at some other future time. And ISIS, just because they lost the caliphate, yes, that was a loss, but indeed it made some people want to join ISIS all the more when they lost the caliphate. So um, I hope at least that I was able to provide you with some of the things that you would not have heard in the media in and around, during and around 9-11, the anniversary itself. Thank you for listening to The Terrorist Therapist Show. I'm Dr. Carol, your terrorist therapist. If you would like to find out more about terrorism from me, your terrorist therapist, visit my website, terroristtherapist.com. And if you're a parent or teacher and want to build stronger nests for your kids to become more resilient, check out my new award-winning book, Lions and Tigers and Terrorists, Oh My, How to Protect Your Child in a Time of Terror. It's the first and only book about terrorism for kids. You can find it wherever books are sold or directly from the publisher at terrorismforkids.com. Terrorism, the number four, kids.com. I'm Dr. Carol, your terrorist therapist. Thank you for listening to The Terrorist Therapist Show on Renegade Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Carol. We hope listening to the show has made you feel calmer, more resilient, and more able to reach your dreams despite living in a time of terror. You can also check out past shows on Renegade Talk Archives for more insights.